Here at Doxaday Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. Well, hello and welcome to our fourth sermon in this series as we study the book of Ephesians. Now, I just want to say before I start preaching that although my wife approves of this message, she does not approve of this mustache. I was just very excited. I wanted to do this for the longest time and I actually finally won a bet with my wife that allowed me to do this and uh, I'm so excited about that. And the reason I'm also doing it is because this sermon is, is pretty heavy, it's pretty serious and uh, I don't have any good jokes lined up for you so I just thought I'll, I'll you know, just make my face the joke that you can laugh at now and then um, and at least we'll keep it light in that way. Now we know, we've been taught in Sunday school that Jesus is the answer to everything. Right? If you had a proper Sunday school teacher, she would have taught you that Jesus is the answer to any, anything. If they ask you any question, you can just raise your hand and you say Jesus and it is the right answer. I even saw a meme of uh, someone that had a math exam and on one of the questions, a very difficult math problem, they didn't know what, to, you know, what the answer was and they just wrote there, Jesus. Jesus is the answer to everything. Right. Obviously, they got a zero and the teacher just wrote in reply saying Jesus is not the answer to this question. Right. But to most questions, the important questions of life, Jesus is, in fact, the answer. And that is what Paul is busy telling them uh, or the, the church in Ephesus in this passage of Scripture. Now, in this passage of Scripture, there is a problem that Paul is busy addressing and he's trying to point them to Jesus as the answer for this problem. Now, we know this church in Ephesus was a great church, right? So they didn't have too many problems, but they were not perfect. They did have some problems, and one of the problems they had was the problem of unity. So it was their love toward one another. And if you read the book of Revelation, one of the churches that Jesus is actually giving a word to in Revelation 2, uh, there's a word that Jesus gives to the seven churches in Revelation. And one of the churches is the church in Ephesus, Revelation 2 verse 4. Jesus is very kind with them. He gives them lots of compliments and then he gives them this one thing that he wants them to work on and then he gives them some more compliments. And in verse 4, he says the following, But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. And so he's, you know, making this accusation. Friends, in this church, you, know, you don't love one another the way you should. I don't see the unity that I want to see. And when Paul writes... In Ephesians 2 from verse 11, he starts off by speaking to the Gentiles and, and he is uh, speaking about those who are called the uncircumcised and those who are called the circumcised. And immediately you can also pick up on that there's a little bit of tension between these two groups. The circumcised think that they are superior to those who are uncircumcised. Or those that are uncircumcised don't really feel that they fit in or belong with those who are circumcised. And they're actually finding value in the wrong place. And now Paul is busy helping them to understand that they should be one because they've been united in Christ. As Ephesians 1 verse 10 says, which is a, a very important verse uh, for the, the, the book of Ephesians, that God's will or God's plan on the, in this world is to unify all things in heaven and on earth under Him, under Christ Jesus. 
And so Paul is telling them that Jesus is your answer. In Jesus, because you are united with Jesus, you find your value in Jesus, not in fleshly things, in circumcision or uncircumcision. You find your value in Jesus alone. Because of that, you also have the, the, the wonderful opportunity be, to be united with one another. Because we are united in Christ Jesus alone. And so he's speaking about this division. Now, division is not something uh, that is only a problem in the church of Ephesus. It is a problem that we also struggle with. Sometimes it's not so obvious, but sometimes we only struggle with it subconsciously or in our hearts. Now, we struggle with discrimination. This is what they also struggled with. And uh, this problem of discrimination is something that we are very aware of. Even in South Africa, there was a time where discrimination was written into the laws of our country. But today, the way that we discriminate is maybe not so much on face value. It's not, it's not so, so, so much out there. It's sometimes more, a little bit more in our own hearts. Now, I think discrimination happens when, or we can say division happens when we misplace our identity or our value. When we get disconnected from God, we don't find our value and our identity, the thing that defines us. We don't find it in God anymore, and we start finding it in the things of this world. Just like this one group was finding, or both of them, thought that the circumcision, the things of the flesh, the things of this world that can be done by the, the hands of man has got value in them to define who we are. Now in Galatians, Paul writes uh, something similar when he says for uh, Galatians 3, he says, For those of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. And so he's saying, if you have put your faith in Christ Jesus, you've been baptized into Jesus, you are clothed with Christ. That is the new thing that defines you. That is the biggest thing about you now. And then verse 28, he says, There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, since you all are one in Christ Jesus. The biggest thing about you is no longer your ethnicity or your race, whether you are Jew or Greek. The biggest thing about you is no longer whether you are male or female. It's no longer your gender. You don't get defined by your gender. And then thirdly, the biggest thing about you is no longer your status. Whether you are free or slave, whether you are rich or poor, whether you've got a big bank balance or not whether you drive a fancy car or not, the big job title or not, those things don't define you anymore because you are now clothed with Christ. That's where you find your value. When people find their value in Christ, they don't discriminate against other people because they know that people are valuable to God. And whenever there is division, whenever we think we are superior, whenever there is discrimination, it hurts the value of other people. It undermines the value of other people. But as soon as we find value in our ethnicity, in our uh, gender, it leads to ugly discrimination. Whenever people have found too much value in their ethnicity or their nationality and they allow that thing to be the biggest thing about them, it has led to things like ethnic cleansing. Think about the partition where, where Hindus and Muslims were killing their, uh, one another because of their ethnicity and because of their religion. Because those things were the biggest things about them. Think about in Rwanda, uh, the Hutus and the Tutsis. 
this ethnic cleansing along ethnic lines because you think that is the biggest thing about you. It is such a dangerous thing if you think that the biggest thing about you is the fact that you are an Afrikaans man or a proud Zulu man. Those things cannot define you because if they do, it will also start undermining the identity of others or the value of other people. Think about gender violence. You know, the biggest example probably of this uh, where ethnicity um, has led or where, where that has defined who we are and led to, to great, great uh, uh, pain and violence in our world is, is the Holocaust, Second World War, where there's estimated six million Jews that were killed. And it's because of this, this pride in a nationality and the cleansing of whatever was threatening that nationality. When we find our value in the wrong place, it leads to ugly sin. Gender violence is also because men don't understand their value. They find their value in their gender. And because they are threatened, it gets expressed in violence. And the appropriate response is not for women to find their value in their womanness, but it's still to find their value in God. When we find our value in the wrong place, it leads to ugly sin. Now, another place where we find our value and where it goes horribly wrong is when we find our value in status, when we allow those things to define who we are. Then it usually leads to one of two things. It leads to a superiority complex or to an inferiority complex. You think because you have certain status, maybe you've got a certain talent. Uh, I know at high school this was a big thing for many people. And if you were good at something, you allowed that thing to sort of define you. That thing allowed you to feel like you are not a loser and you belong somewhere, right? Uh, maybe now if you are working, it might be your job title. And you think, well, at least I've got this job description. Well, at least I'm making this much money. At least I'm driving this car. And those things sort of make you feel superior in a way that you feel okay about yourself because you're not too bad. In comparison to everyone around you, you're not too bad. Uh, you know, the, you allow your, uh, the fact that you might be a medical doctor or a professor at the university or a chartered accountant or an engineer define you, at least I'm not that bad because I've got that. And it can lead to an ugly superiority complex. Or the other way around, it's the same problem, but it's just the inverse of it. If you don't have any of those things and you feel that you are worthless, because I don't have a great job title or a nice degree, because I didn't finish school, I feel like I'm worth nothing. Because I can't catch a ball or run fast or play music or whatever the case might be. Because I don't have lots of income, because I don't drive a nice car. I don't even have a car maybe. <laughs> and you allow the lack of things to define your value. It's when we stop letting God, we, when we, we, we don't allow Him to define our worth and we find it in other things. We either become superior and proud or we become inferior and we don't understand the value that God has for us. We don't live the life that God actually has for us. You know, sometimes it's very evident in some people um, and we, we sometimes do this, you know, in a subconscious way. Uh, but for some people, it's very evident or you see it. You know that friend that is always just reminding himself of one of those things that he's good at. 
I've sadly, I've got some friends. I love them so much and they love Jesus. But I think there's a little bit of insecurity. Sometimes that insecurity is so clear. It's as clear as daylight to those people around you. If you make a big deal of your title, I remember the previous job I worked at was a university institution and man, titles are important. If, if you call someone, you know, doctor, but they're actually a professor, some people get offended by that. And when they do, I'm like, oh man, like seriously, is that like the biggest thing about you that you've got some nice degree? Do you understand this, that whenever you allow things, the things of this world, a title to define you, you are degrading yourself. Because you are worth way much more. When, I mean, I mean when, when you have to remind yourself and those around you, but at least I'm, I'm a doctor, I'm a medical doctor, or I'm a chartered accountant, or I'm an engineer, or whatever the case might be, I've got my own company. Or whether you're very proud of the fact that you drive a certain car, or where your address is in this city of ours. If those things are at all important to you, you are degrading yourself if you attach your identity to those things. If you allow those things to define you in terms of who you are, you are degrading yourself because they are way less. It's, it's sort of asking the question, you know, if you, if you, if you allow the fact that you drive a, a Hilux Bucky to define you, is that how little you think of yourself? Or if you allow yourself that, that your job description or your address defines your identity, is that how little you think of yourself? You are worth so much more, so much more. Paul is someone that was, he had lots of talents. He had lots to boast about, lots of the things in this world, lots of the things in the flesh to boast about. But then he says in Galatians 6, As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. The biggest thing about you is the fact that you are a child of God. And he goes on to say that we put no confidence in the place and then that if anyone is to boast, let him boast in the Lord. Do you boast in the Lord? You know what, this passage, getting back to the passage that we are reading together and studying this week to come together, I want to encourage you to, to take uh, your Bible and study this passage with the daily devotionals that we are putting out. You see, the answer is Christ. If you have a superiority complex, or if you've got an inferiority complex, if you are insecure about your value, your answer is Christ himself. It says in verse 14, for he is our peace. So there, there was this, you know, the circumcised, the uncircumcised. He was speaking to them saying, reminding them, especially those that were not circumcised, that were not part of the Jewish faith or born in the Jewish faith. They were coming in from the side and they felt inferior. He was telling them, for he is our peace. And then verse 13, he says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, by the blood of Christ, by nothing else, by the blood of Christ. That's the only thing that you can boast in. That is what gives you significance. Verse 17, he came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Those who have got nothing to boast about and those who have got everything to boast about in this world. Both of you 
are brought near through Christ. For through Him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Through Him, we've got access to the Father. The only thing that defines us is Jesus Himself. The only thing that gives you access, the only thing that gives you acceptance before God is not what good person you are or how much you give to charity, nothing, none of those things. It is the blood of Jesus. That's what he's busy telling them. The only thing that defines you as a Christian is whether you are in Christ. And not only as a Christian, the only thing that defines you as a human being that gives you value and worth is whether you are in Christ. That is what we boast in. Christ is the biggest thing about me. Not my family, not my income, not my title, not my history, whatever your history might be, not my culture, not my ethnicity. It is Christ himself. That is what gives me access to the most valuable one in the universe, God himself. Paul doesn't only say that Christ is my answer. He is your answer as an individual, but he's also our answer. Christ is our answer. Thinking about the, the animosity between people, uh, the, the fact that we need more unity in this world. Christ is our answer. Verse 14, for he is our peace who made both groups. So he's speaking about the Jews and the Gentiles, the circumcised and the uncircumcised, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh. He tore down the dividing wall of hostility. He unites us in himself. When we look upwards, we are no longer threatened by one another. We no longer discriminate because we understand we're part of the same family. Verse 16, he did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. And this reminds us of verse 10 in Ephesians 1, where he says to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on this earth. You see, what Jesus is doing, he's redefining the boundaries. When we walk into a Christian church, the boundaries are no longer gender or status or your ethnicity. The boundaries have been redefined. Jesus is the boundary. And if you are in Christ, you are in. That is the only boundary that matters. And because of that, we can become a united people and be unified not only to God but also to one another you see the work of Christ in this planet or on this planet is not only to reconcile people to him but it's also to reconcile people to one another the way he does it is by reconciling them to himself and as they get reconciled with, to him and find their value in him and shifts the boundaries they are reconciled to one another we need Christ in this world in every area of this world, not only to be saved, to go to heaven one day, but also in the, the areas of discrimination in our city, the areas of uh, where there might be racism or any kind of uh, classism. Christ is what can unify us. Christ is the answer for all of us. Now, the last point I want to get to, this is a very important part of this passage. I want to say this is the, this is the main part I want to leave you with. And that's the last uh, few verses where Paul is busy writing about the church. The church. And when he says the church, he means all those who are Christians. He speaks about unity in the church. That's what this passage has been about. It's about unity in the church. But if you find your identity in Christ, then we've got a fighting chance of unity in the church. Verse 19, he says the following. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, 
but fellow citizens with the saints. And so in this time, it was very common that, that, that a city would be like a nation. You would sort of be a citizen of a city like Athens uh, in, this, in this time. Or even today, we've got the Vatican City or Monaco, Monaco which is a, a, a sort of a country and a city at the same time. And he's saying that if you are in Christ, you are now a citizen. You've got a passport. You are born again and you've got citizenship. That's what defines you. Not whether you were born in a Christian home, whether your parents were Christian or not, not whether you are a Jew, not whether you grew up in church. None of those things, the thing that gives you citizenship is if you are in Christ Jesus, right? And we are all fellow citizens, other people with you. No one is better than the other. And then he goes on, and members of God's household. Now, members of God's household means you are part of God's family. It gets a little bit more personal. Do you know that you can choose your friends? but you cannot choose your brothers and sisters. You see, when it comes to the church of God, the way that Paul writes about it, he's not saying that it's about liking all other Christians. He's speaking about loving them. It's like your, your friends. You choose the people you like. Sometimes you've got a brother and sister you don't always like, but you still need to love them. It's a lot more personal. It's a lot more closer. He's calling us to love one another, saying that we are part of the same family. Because we carry the same DNA. We've got the same Father in heaven. We are born into this family. And therefore we cannot discriminate against other family members. Uh, at the end I'm going to just quickly speak about what does this mean practically for you. You know, Because you might think, well I don't have a problem with the people in my church. We're going to get to that in, in just one moment. And then it goes on verse 20. We are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. The cornerstone was part of the foundation, and all of the other uh, stones needed to fit in with the cornerstone. And that's the same thing. That's the only thing that defines you as a Christian, is whether you fit in with the cornerstone. It's Christ that gives us this identity. And then it goes on, verse 21. In him, the whole building, being put together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. You see, oftentimes we think of Christianity as in an individualistic way. As if it's all of us just practicing our own faith. Now and then we come together to hear a nice sermon so that we can just go again and practice our own faith on our own. But the way that Paul writes about this building means that there's no such thing as a brick on its own. The living stones only make sense when they are together. The point is not, unity is not sameness, right? These stones look differently. Sameness is not the goal, but it's unity. You see, the question is not whether or not you want to be part of the building. The question is just whether you are a useful stone, whether you are a useful brick. Because whether you like it or not, you are part of the building. Because if you are in Christ, you're already part of the church. There's no question. You, ca you cannot decide whether you are part of the church or not. You are part of the church. The only question is, are you a useful brick working together with the rest of the building to make something truly beautiful? Let me take it one step further. Paul takes it one step further. He speaks about the last verse. He says, being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And then it says, In him 
you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. God comes and He makes His home in the temple. You see, Moses and the Israelites, they built the tent of meeting with the tabernacle so that God can come and make His home there. Solomon built a temple so that God can come and make His presence there. Jesus built a church. Jesus built a church. Why? So that the resident can come and stay in his temple. The church is the temple of God. And, and this temple has a resident. And his name is God. You see, so oftentimes we, you know that, that scripture in John that explains that God comes and he makes his home inside of us. Now, even though it is so that he makes his home inside of each one of us, we think that God comes and makes his home inside of the individuals only. That's not the way it works. The Bible explains that God comes and He makes His home inside of us. Not only you and you and you and that way it's us. No, no, it's in us. We are His temple and God comes and makes His home inside of His temple, which is the church that Jesus built for Him. In the end of Ephesians 1, Jesus speaks, uh, or spe uh, it's actually spoken about the body of Jesus as the fullness of Jesus, Him being the head and we being the, uh, the, the body. With that being said, you cannot separate Jesus and the church. You cannot separate God and His temple. And therefore, I want to end off with this, and then after that, I want us to respond together with a confession. Is that you cannot say yes to Jesus, but no to the church. It's not possible. That's bad theology. You cannot say yes to God, but no to His temple. You cannot say yes to Jesus, but no to, no to his church. You can't say, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. Whether you like it or not, those are your brothers and your sisters. You are part of that family, whether you like it or not. That is the temple that God wants to come and make his home in. You are part of the church because we are the church. Now, what does this mean practically for us? Maybe just speaking about the church. Maybe there are some other Christian groups that you don't like very much. I want to challenge you this week, start praying for them. Because they are your brothers and sisters. All of the different churches, we believe in them also. They are your brothers and sisters. Start praying for them. Maybe it's a little bit more practical for you. Your local church, you're not very much part of it. You're visiting in your own local family. It's like your family. Maybe it's time to start going home and visit the family a little bit more often and become part of that family. If you're not part of a community group yet, start by joining a community group. This is the plan that God has for us. Unity doesn't only mean we don't fight. The, the unity that Paul is busy speaking about when he's speaking about the temple of God and, and that he comes and makes his dwelling in us. It's not only saying, you know, don't stop fighting, you know, stop killing one another. We're not speaking about that, right? That's not enough. Unity is that we are united in Christ and that we are this, this, this building of living stones doing what God has called us to do and Him making His home inside of us. Maybe you need to take a step closer to your local church. Maybe another area of response for you is what I spoke about earlier, is just finding your value in the right place. No longer finding your value in the things of this world, your status or your gender or your ethnicity, but really, really, Confessing that the biggest thing about you is not your status. It's not your job title, your, your degree. The biggest thing about you is the fact that you are in Christ and start boasting in Christ alone. 
I want to end off by reading just uh, two of these scriptures. And I want to invite you to read it with me. Um, and uh, as we read this, to read this as a confession and start living in this. And after that, I'll pray for us. In verse 13, Ephesians 2, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, we who were far have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He is our peace. He is our peace. He is our peace. Then verse 21 and 22, let's read that together. In Him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, we are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. Jesus, as we speak this, we confess it and we also speak it. God, may it be the truth of our lives. God, we know that we are drawn near to you through the blood of Jesus. You are our peace. You are our peace to the Father, but you are also our peace to one another because we find value in you and in nothing else. God, also we confess that we are your holy temple. We are the living stones that you have decided to come and make your home in. And we confess, God, that we will be a united people in you, Jesus. Amen. Bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.